welcome to another episode of the Leader Ego podcast. Today is super exciting. We're talking about business development. Now, I know some of you will be thinking, oh, business development, sales. Well, the reality is every company's got a hidden sales force. We need sales and business development and retaining clients and expanding clients more than ever. Today, I'm interviewing the founder of Masterclass Training and the author of Natural Business Development, Isabel Rimmer. We're going to be talking about business development and how normal human beings, not in sales teams, can approach business development in a way that feels natural to them and for them to enjoy it. Welcome, Isabel. Thank you, Alex. Nice to be here. Thank you. Good. Uh, so, uh, so tell us a little bit. You've, you, I know you've been in business uh, a long time. Tell us why you're passionate about business development and sales and, and everything that goes with that. Okay. So you're, you're dead right, Axe. I've been in business a long time. So uh, oh, older than you, older than you. Um, but I guess if I, go, if I kind of go back a little bit, um, I was of a generation where you just didn't go into sales if you were a graduate. It was one of those things that, you know, just, oh, no, definitely not. You might go into marketing because that would be like intellectually okay. But selling, oh, 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 no, that's something you do if you can't do anything else. And I think that is so sad because when I left university, I actually ended up working for Digital Equipment Deck, one of the biggest IT companies at the time. And I knew nothing technically. I mean, nothing. My children now even think it's funny that I ever sold computer systems because I'm just not technical. But I discovered really by chance that selling and working with customers and meeting clients was just the best fun you could have and the nicest way to earn a living. And I would never, ever, ever have seen myself as a salesperson. I, to be honest, I still don't. Yeah, but I, I think, I've realised uh, it's just the greatest thing to do. Yeah, I, I think other than America, where they sort of revere the salesperson, everyone else in the world, I sort of think, if you admit to being in sales, you should be on some sort of register. Uh, every, everyone takes a half a step back when you say you're in sales. Uh, if you're at a dinner party or, or telling your friends what you do. Uh, but yeah, even in America, even in America, there isn't really, although they revere it a bit more than we do, you still find, you know, there aren't qualifications that go with it. It's not got that recognised status. And actually, I think it was Henry Ford said, nothing happens until we sell something. So and, and I know you, you write about this in, in the book, but in, t- in today's world, sales processes aren't just about the salesperson. There's loads of people involved in any process of winning or retaining a customer's business absolutely and i think particularly when we look at some of the technology areas if you think about it the access to information that customers have now i wouldn't say a salesperson is superfluous but they're not the unique kind of custodians of the knowledge that they might have been 10 or 20 years ago and so customers want to talk to others it used to be salesmen had all the knowledge and the sort of information, the information imbalance was was in favour of the salesperson. Where now, actually, the person with probably more market knowledge and insight is the person buying rather than selling. Uh, it's, absolutely, it's the buyers, and they want to talk to the real subject matter experts, yeah. the, the Billy Goat Gruffs, as I always used to call them, yeah. the people who really know in depth, particularly when it comes to technology. Yeah, and and I guess as as procurement processes become more collaborative as people are less likely to go oh I went to school with Bob I'll buy it from him people as people look to sort of shift blame and spread responsibility so more people from within an organization from whether it be customer success the technical experts the account managers HR 
procurement need to be involved in that sales process to sort of make sure you secure the deal? Yes. And so across across any organisation, whether it's in technology or pharmaceutical or legal or consulting, every person plays that part in the client relationship. Why, 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 they play a big part. Why, why is, I mean, because I'm, I'm, let's say, for example, I work in an IT company. I'm, a, I'm an account manager. My job is to make sure they're getting what they bought. Why does that give me a raw a responsibility in business development? Because I, I like you, I, I'm like, why would I want to, if I wanted sales, I'd, I'd go and do sales. So let's reframe what selling is. Reframing selling and making it actually a process that we go through to help people solve a problem. And when you talk to even the most geekiest software engineer or the most technical lawyer or the most introverted accountant, if you say to them, do you like helping your clients solve a problem? They will say yes. And that's what we're doing. And when we're out with customers helping them solve a problem, we can also spot other issues that we could help them with. And I think if you shift that to spotting opportunities, it's not selling. It's helping your customers be even more successful. Yeah. And I remember I did some training with some auditors once, and I would say if you if you spotted a client that was doing something wrong or a bit of legislation that was going to impact their audit, if you didn't tell them what would happen, they say they thought we'd breach our duty of care. And I go, Great. absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but but so that works well for that works well for uh, people we do business with. Like I, I, I call them, I tell them they've got a problem. This is the answer to that problem that I see. But many account managers still struggle to engage with customers when they don't have when 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 they don't see a problem with that client. So the secret there is to be curious. And one of the things that I always look to do when I'm training or coaching technical people, sales teams, it doesn't matter, is to really boost their curiosity. Why do those organisations do what they do? What's going on in their world? And I talk about what's bleeping on their radar. Because everybody has a radar and they're measured on their tasks, their goals, their objectives, their KPIs. Those are usually quite tangible. But they also have other things on their radar which are more personal. So maybe they want to get a promotion. Maybe they want to look good in front of the bosses, you know, in the boardroom. Or maybe they just want a quieter life. And if we're curious about what matters to those people we will spot opportunities where we can help them further. Ah, interesting. And, and why, why do you think, I mean, obviously you've, you've released this book in the middle of a pandemic. Why, what, and I think this is genius time to release a book on business development because it's, it's more important than ever. What, why do you think business development and the whole organisation, I think the secret army that you call it, yes. why is it more important than ever than a business unlocks that secret army? Because the secret army, and, and, and that may be specialists, customer service, technical people, they get contact and access to customers in ways that often the salespeople or the account managers don't. They may be on the end of the phone if it's a, a call center situation. They might be doing proof of concepts in a virtual setup. So they're in you know, daily contact with people. And being curious about what's going on in those customers' world means that they'll spot opportunities in ways that probably the account manager or the salesperson might not. Right. And, and, and I guess also the, the, the harsh reality of a, of a pandemic and the recession that come with it, not every company is going to make it through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so there will be companies, every organization will have clients that either don't make it, bring things in-house, cancel projects, uh, choose different solutions. 
And so the attrition rate in a, in a down market often becomes higher for organizations. So you've got to either work to replace those or work harder to retain them. And, and you've got to build those relationships across the organization. You know, we can't rely on one or two contacts in a company in order to do business. And it's not possible. You, you just don't have the time or the resources for one person to do all of that. Yeah. You need the secret army with you. And, and so uh, so let, let's, let's talk about how we unlock that secret army. And you've got your, your four key yes. steps that you use for that. So we've got connect, discover, share, and collaborate. And what I love about your book is that you've got, this is what it is, and then you have the practical tips on applying it. And as a trainer, sort of consultant myself, I love anything that actually helps people do things uh, is, uh, is, is, is fantastic. So, so tell, let's start with connect. What do you mean by connect and who should be, who should be connecting? Okay. And, and thank you. You're very kind about the book. I mean, basically the book is 20 years of experience of doing it with people. So that's where it comes from. So the thing about connect, if we're curious about getting to know our customers and our prospects, if we're curious about what's going on in their world, it's actually quite easy to connect. It really is. But in order to connect, we have to have a bit of structure. We have to have a bit of structure. So we need to think about, okay, if I'm going to be having a meeting with somebody, whether that's a Zoom or a virtual or a phone call, maybe face-to-face in time, how do I structure that so that it's a really helpful meeting for my customer? Right. So we shift it around. It's not about what do I as the person want to get out of that meeting, but what, what do they need? And we connect on things that matter to them. Yeah. And an example I often use is that I'm not sure if you've ever read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink. Yes. And he talked about the difference between why surgeons got sued and didn't get sued. And the only number they could find that was different is that the average consultation time was three minutes longer. Mm. And and his supposition was that uh, the surgeon spent three more minutes learning about the individual uh, and them as a human being rather than because the success rates of those surgeons weren't any different to the ones that got sued and didn't yeah, get sued. That's right. uh, it's that human relationship. And I think right now in a pandemic, the human to human piece, yes, we have to deliver value you know, in whatever we, we are selling or doing or our business. But it's not just about the value. It's about the relevance to that individual. And I think more and more people want that human to human contact, yeah, especially and that, now. And in some ways, that that connection is like we, we all love receiving birthday cards because we like people to feel people have thought about us. Business development in some ways for those that are in a non-sales role has never been easier because you've just got a ring and say, how are you doing? In- Look, Absolutely. Incredible. And, and people are reaching out, people are connecting and people are happy to connect back. Mm-hmm. It's actually probably easier now than it was six months ago. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of, a lot of business development people or those that are in the, uh, sort of wider secret army, as you call it, struggle to call people just to say hi and to check they're okay. The, the feeling is like if they haven't called me, I can't call them. If I haven't, if they haven't got a problem that they've asked me to help, I can't help them. Where, where actually a lot of businesses that I know that are being successful at the moment are contacting their clients to ask them what they want next year, what are their needs going to be? Because many businesses are redefining their service proposition for 2021. Uh, and I had one just like that yesterday, a little email out to somebody, you know, a good client of ours. We've worked with them for many years. Just to say, how are things going? And she came back and she said, actually, I'm just in the middle of doing my budgets for next year. So let's set up a meeting. And I didn't even ask for one. 
Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you a little story. I remember many years ago, I was coaching a partner of a a large consulting firm and a lovely chap. And he said to me, but Isabel, surely customers would tell us if they had a problem. And I went, I wish they would, but no, they don't. No. No, they don't. We have to help find them. (laughs) And and, and, you know, when uh, I'm not sure, it's been been a long time since I was single. I don't know how long you've been uh married but do you remember the years do you remember that gap between the first and second date and you were working out how do i tell them i'm interested but they're looking like a stalker you know and 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 nowadays it's much faster because of texting and the art of business development and keeping in touch is thinking about what can i talk to them about that isn't doesn't doesn't talk about the product i'm selling but but focuses on connecting with them to say I'm thinking of you by the way I hope you're thinking of me and that's what it is you know I've got your best interests at heart and if you genuinely have your customers best interests at heart then it doesn't feel like it's selling either okay and what's your view of everybody irrespective of whether you're in sales or not of having a a documented list in the CRM of people that you want in your network. So when I so when I read when I looked at the front and I was like, oh, connection. I always thought I immediately thought about your network, that the connections that you've got that you're looking to nurture. What's your view on having everyone having a list of people that are in their network that they need to actively nurture? I think you have to be careful when you use the word need, because if you start saying you must do this or you need to do that, often people will dig their heels in. If, on the other hand, you help people to create perhaps a stakeholder map and say, look, all these people, all these amazing people that you are connected to through your work, when were you last in touch with them? Where could you add value for that one? What are they doing on X, Y and Z? When were you last in touch with them? So you actually make it interesting and informative as opposed to making it a chore. Because I think the moment right. you start... So you're, you're telling me the language a leader uses will impact how people difference. perceive the activities yeah. involved in yeah. business development. Again, it comes back to that self-orientation. If you've got their best interests at heart, you'll want to connect with them. Right. Okay, fantastic. So, so that's almost... So the framework is who are the people that you need to help? Who are the people that you need to be actively letting know checking they're okay who are the people that you need to be actively sharing best practice that you notice in the industry yeah and and things that would be of value to them okay yeah fantastic okay so so connection is so so connection is about always be thinking about what can you do to demonstrate that you know something about them and you you're interested in the business challenges they've got rather than just the money in their wallet and, and, and well, you made a really good point. It's not about being a stalker, heaven forbid, but it's about genuinely being interested in what they're doing. People do things for a reason and they say things for a reason. And if we're curious to understand why, you open up all sorts of conversations. And also, if you're curious to kind of make those connections, there's always one way of connecting. There's always somebody that you might know who would be a useful contact for your customer or prospect. There's always some article somewhere that would be useful or interesting to them if we just think about it oh well we're gonna we're gonna you're getting into share and collaborate now i am i am i am am. hold me back hold me back so let's go let's go discover because this is for me i'm a i'm a business geek right like i i i love learning about how businesses work even as a recruiter in my first job in in sales i was always one i would always ask for a shop tour or tour around the business and they'd be like just recruiting an accountant why do you want to look around and i go because I'm interested, like, and I want to be able to like get, here. Yeah. if I can get excited about what you do, I can get people excited about working for you. 
so, so, so talk about discover. What, what, what's okay. the core in, in discover? So it takes this, this whole thing of curiosity, if you like, a stage further. So if I, if I wind back a bit, it's not unusual, and you've probably had this too, Alex, where perhaps a, a sales director or a VP of sales has said, oh, my guys are just not very good at closing. Can you come in and help train them to close a deal? And so you go in and you talk to the people and you realise the reason they can't close is they don't have enough information about what's going on in that situation in the first place. What they haven't done is spent enough time in what I call the discovery phase. Okay. So it's questioning, but it's not just questioning. There's no point asking great questions if you don't listen and understand what's going on, what's the problem, what's the problem lying behind the problem, what's the issue, why is it that way? And it's that curiosity. It it sounded like you were skirting around spin selling there for a moment. Uh, What's the situation? What's the problem? What's the implication? I was I was spun, you know, when it first came out. And I think it's a great process. Um, I have reservations about one aspect of it and that I think it can be in the wrong hands, manipulative. Yeah. And I think you have to be very careful with that. And I think clients and customers are too savvy. They see it. The moment you are trying to manipulate them, they see it a mile off. But, and that's not genuine. This is, is like, it's about do you use those frameworks as part of a dialogue so if you use it over 20 minutes, it's not obvious. It's just so I, 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 when I when I teach uh, coaching to uh, managers, I also I teach the grow model. I'm sure you use the same, too. Uh, and then but it's the same as a sales process. It's just the, the, the framework you put you put around it. So so what are the what are the how can a leader help? In what ways can a leader help their teams be better at discovery? Okay. Well, there's three things to do. First of all, you've got to shift the mindset. So that's the curiosity piece. So you encourage people to be curious about what's going on in their client's world and open up that, if you like, curiosity gene. The second thing are the tools and techniques. You mentioned spin. I mean, there are lots of different ways of asking questions, everything from the kind of the open to the closed to to whatever. But there are lots of tools and techniques that will help you frame or structure i often call them recipes in the same way as you know it's like a cookery book your recipes you take those recipes and you make them your own so you might follow them slavishly for the first couple of times to get it right but then you think well, you know i'm going to change that a little bit so having frameworks or recipes around different types of questions right that then becomes your toolkit and then the secret the secret to this all is and i say this every time a skill is a technique you can use under pressure so what you've got to do is you've got to practice those tools okay. and techniques, get some feedback, practice them again, practice them live with real customers. And there's the role of the manager as a coach. And then those become very natural. So probably you and I now, after a few years of doing it, we'd find it relatively easy to structure our questions. Yeah. But our secret army need a bit more support because they haven't had that background. But also, so I think... That's how it works. I think uh, the... the one, one way to do it is often, I think, the mistake that I, I've made and, and learned from when I've done, done business development for non-salespeople is giving them a list of 50 questions, where actually I think the best thing a manager can do is say, I just want to know these two things about every person you talk to, to make it really simple. And, 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 and then they can f- get that insight whichever way, whichever way they want. So you measure them on the output, which then gives you an opportunity to discuss where that can go next. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And I think if you if you give people these very long sort of almost overly structured questions, there is a risk, of course, they'll try and use them 
in a way that comes across as not authentic, not genuine, a checklist. And again, customers see right through that. So do you, uh, do you know who the best salesperson, the best salespeople I know that are the best at discovery? Go on then. Doctors. <laughs> they have to be. Because uh, uh, think about it, they, they write you a bit of paper to take some pills that could kill you, that make that are 99.9% sugar, like, and, and you take, you buy it, right? And the only reason you buy it is because they ask loads of really simple questions that are related to you as an individual uh, and your need as opposed to, just them getting what they want and maybe vets are even better yeah why do you say vets are even better because they have to do it without the language oh that's deep (laughs) that's deep oh (laughs) oh so get 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 i won't get onto my teacher rant but uh but i'll talk about why later on i might talk about why teacher are the most high pressure salespeople in the world uh (laughs) which my wife's a teacher and we have lots of friends that are teachers, so it's my grenade, but I'll, I'll, I'll share that with you in a bit. So, 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 so when it comes to Discover, it's about having a natural curiosity. Yes. Uh, what's your view on talking about a client's business and their industry? Even if, I don't, even if what I do doesn't directly help with the industry, what, what, should I be talking about the overall strategy of the organisation and what the focus is and what the plans are for the organisation? I think it, there's a there's a fine line, and I'll, I'll give you a story to illustrate this. Early in my career, um, when I was working for DEC, and uh, I was looking after a very large financial institution, and they spent millions of dollars and pounds with us. They were great, lovely customer. And then when I left to set up Masterclass, I invited the two directors that I had most of the dealings with to the opening. And they came along, they said, oh, it's great to see you, Izzy, and glad to see you're doing your own thing. And I said, how's it going? And they said, oh, please come back. I went, what? He said, well, your replacement keeps trying to tell us how to run our business. I was like, you're kidding me. They said, mm, no, he does. And I think what had happened was this, this replacement person who took over my accounts was very kind of trying to understand the industry sector, trying to be very strategic. And I said, but you guys know your business better than anybody else. They said, I know. I said, our job is to help you succeed with your business not to tell you how to run your business. That's interesting. But we have to be curious. But, and absolutely, if you're working in a particular sector, you should know that sector. You, know, you should be reading up on it in the, in the quality magazines and journals and trade press. You should do your research. Because if you don't, what does that say about you? But I guess the... It says you're not interested. You're not it's, curious. Interesting, it's interesting you put that as a, as a challenge because I guess I, if, you, if you look at the natural trend around the challenger sale and, and what's called insight selling which mm-hmm. is about sharing insights that the client might have. I guess it's, it's not the share. What you're saying is it's not the sharing of the insight. It's more not telling them that it's perfect for them. It's sort of almost putting it on a platter and asking them whether they want to play with it as opposed to try and forcing it into their, their business. Yeah, I think, and, and, and also that's about humility. You know, if I'm working with a multi-billion dollar global business, have I got the secret? No, of course not. But I can see things from a different perspective. And if I'm genuinely interested about what they're doing, I can also share things that I see from other clients nice. in a professional way. So, so in terms of if I'm a, a leader and I want my, say, account managers to be more business development orientated, what sort of questions would you be asking me in our sort of review meetings or planning meetings for the next month to assess whether I had 
I, I was engaging in the right sort of conversations? I think you'd be looking to see not just what's going on in the customer's world, but what are some of the challenges that they are facing in their job? So, for example, I've been working recently with a chief information security officer, and he shared with me the mass of stuff that he has to handle. I mean, unbelievable, from governance to security to threats. And he said, this is my world. And, you know, it was staggering. So the question really is, then, okay, so where in this world are you facing your challenges? Where are the things that are, you know, making life difficult? Where are the things that you would just like some help on? And that's genuine. If you're genuine about that, it opens it up. Fantastic. Okay, great. Let, let, let's move on to share because I'm conscious of time. Okay, uh, yeah. So, so to talk me through share. So we've had connect, discover, so which is great. And now we're into share and then collaborate. Right. So, so, so what do you mean by share? And what's your what's your what are your top tips for sharing? So the top tips. So if we've built that relationship, we're understanding through discovery what's going on. We move to a kind of natural place in our relationship in the same way as if you meet somebody in a pub or a restaurant or a bar you, know, you get to know each other you find out things about each other and then you perhaps share experiences and values and, and things like that and it's the same in a business relationship so if I know from my questions and listening and understanding what's going on in their world I'm then in a position to say well let me just share with you something that we've done for another customer or organization or let me share with you something that we've seen work really well in your sector and that's where the power of storytelling comes in, because what you're doing is you're sharing, by sharing stories, you're building your credibility, because you know what you're talking about. You're demonstrating that you've done this sort of thing, perhaps with other organisations, and so you yep. get a bit more of a clue. And you also show that you're interested in helping your client achieve what perhaps another client would you share? Would you share something you found that someone else had done that you hadn't done with a client? Quite possibly, because genuinely, if you want to help your client, that's what you're there for. Now, of course, you have to be sensitive in the the share phase, because if you're working with another client, you can't share company confidential information. You can't share things that would be indiscreet or unprofessional. So you have to be very careful. And obviously, we're in Iceland, right? So... Everybody so, knows everybody. So it's a small, it's a small everyone place. Everyone knows everyone. You can't go, there's a television company. Uh, <laughs> it sort of gives it away. Or my Dutch clients who go, well, we've done some work recently on a very large brewing organisation. <laughs> <laughs> we all know who that one is. We all know. Yeah. Iceland's largest retailer. Oh, uh, I wonder who that is. Yeah, so, <laughs> exactly. so, so one of the, I've got a friend of mine who, who's a partner in a law firm and he, he uses a phrase which is he start every every day he tries to send two emails which is and he starts everyone I saw this and I thought of you because and so yeah. it's uh, and, and that's, that's sharing that, pardon that is sharing yeah and what's fantastic about that is that all he's got is a feed in LinkedIn and a feed in Twitter and he scrolls through the articles that are in those feeds and he goes oh that's of interest he has a quick read and then he sends it he, he pings yeah. it across and and I'm, he told me that, and I was, I was like, "You, that is world-class business development. And genuine. And genuine. And the yeah. people who receive those things probably really appreciate it. Yes. Yeah. Not I mean, too often, not too many, not pushy, but genuinely interested in helping them. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's just recap. I saw this, and I thought of you because, and that's the problem or the situation they're in. And then you share, share, share the article, uh, which, oh. is, which is, and, and I guess... What, what other nuggets would you give 
would you give some of that secret army to help them be better at sharing? The, the secret for the secret army, the real secret, and this is where managers and leaders play a big part, is to help them build their own, I call it, portfolio of stories. The mistake that a lot of people make is that they, they use their own stories, so you know the customers that they've worked on personally, and they stick with those. And you can never have enough stories if you just stick with your own. So if you're working for an organisation, you will have your stories of working with the clients, but you'll also have colleagues who have their stories. And nobody will build your stories for you. You have to do it yourself. Should, should an organisation have a, a, almost a, a set set of stories that newer people in the organisation, because a lot of organisations have yes. a continual flow of new sales professionals, or uh, yes. sh- should they have a standard set of stories that people can share? I mean, these days, most sales enablement functions will have the stories that can be given to new hires to get them going. Mm -hmm. The mistake is that people then rely on those and they don't build on them. And if you only rely on the very kind of high profile, you know, the stories that go on the websites or the stories that go out, you don't get the nuggets. Mm -hmm. So what one of our clients does now, and we've helped them do this, is the technical director who's in charge of all the technical architects and the pre-sales engineers and, and all those people, Every team meeting they have, they have to share a minimum of one story. Fantastic. That's what they're building. They're building this beautiful little library of stories. And not only do you have to be able to know those stories, you have to tell them in your own words. Now, some technical people will go, oh, but I don't know all the detail. If a client is interested and wants to know more detail, you just go away and get that person to come in and talk to you. And, and also, I think part of business development for me, I said, I was a business geek. All my friends became doctors, lawyers, accountants and respectable people. I became a recruiter. So uh, and, and but for me, it was a, I, I couldn't tell them what management accountant they needed to recruit. But I'd spoken to hundreds of people that recruited management accountants. And that was my expertise. And yeah. and I think anyone, just everyone you speak to is that if you're always talking about problems and how companies overcame that problem themselves, you can record their story and that then shapes your story and the advice that you've got. So you don't have to be limited by your own experience. Exactly. So helping your people to build their portfolio of stories, because you can have one story and you can headline off several points in it. You, know, you might talk about a story that's helped companies save money, or you might talk about a story that's in a similar sector to the person that you're talking to, or you might talk about a similar problem or challenge that they faced, or you might talk about how you rolled out the project. So you can hone in on the things that really matter to the person that you're talking to. Yeah. And so, to, so what you're saying then is, I guess, you, that company that was sharing a story, what you're doing is every meeting they were saying, this is the problem a client had, this is how I solved it. Yeah. And so if all you're talking about is problems and what we did to help, then then everyone starts realising, wow, we can help with a lot of stuff. And we're just looking for those, those, those triggers. And the other thing about the stories is that we connect emotionally with people when we talk about stories. We are hardwired for stories. You know, once upon a time in a far off land, you know, we all know the format. They all lived happily ever after. And it's the same with business. So we have the 5D framework, which is in the book, which looks at description, dilemma, desire, delivered, differentiator. And that gives you a lovely logical flow. To That's a little story. teaser. That's a little teaser for uh, Amazon link <laughs> below. Amazon link below. So uh, and, and so, so what would your 
So one of the challenges, so obviously Eriko is in Iceland, it's a small country. How do you, what's your advice to be better at sharing in a very small country where you, you like everyone knows everybody and it's harder to, you've got more confidence, not sharing a, sharing a confidence is, is, is probably, get that getting found out is, is of greater risk. I think when you are in a, so it's like in Iceland, because everybody does know everybody, you're kind of wasting your time trying to hide things. So, for example, if you're also working in a very sort of niche sector in accountancy or law or whatever, so you don't have to be necessarily saying, I can't tell you, I can't tell you, because everybody knows, but it's what you tell them. So you focus on the outcomes that you achieved. You don't necessarily drill down so much on the problem because you might be embarrassing to know that one company had a major problem about X. But what you can say was this particular client wanted to do something around X and this is what we did. And as a result, they've made money, saved money, improved productivity, whatever it might be. So focus on the outcome. And I guess also what you could also tell a client is this is we've really enjoyed doing this. Would you mind if we if we got in a situation where someone had a similar problem that I put you in touch? Could I could I use your name as a testimonial? Because actually the likelihood is they know them, they went to school with them. So they can say, if you can get permission to say, if I find someone with a similar problem that we're talking to, would you mind if I put you in touch? And and you'd be amazed. And and again, you know, that's another way of connecting. So what you're doing is you're adding value to the customers and prospects that you're talking to because you're connecting them with people who they would be interested to work with. Yeah. So you are the catalyst again. That leads us into collaboration. Yes. It's almost like there's a process here. Good Lord, who'd have thought it, eh? <laughs> so, so tell us about, about collaboration and what, what that means okay. for salespeople and the secret sales force. Okay, so I think the word collaborate is used I think, more and more now. I think it's also not used very well. I think people are like, oh, let's collaborate. And, and they don't really think through what collaboration really is. And for me, collaboration is something that happens that's really powerful and really meaningful. And if we are really going to collaborate, we collaborate effectively in five ways. We collaborate strategically. So if we're working together on a strategic challenge or problem, we collaborate tactically. So the things we do, you know, the actions we take, we collaborate in operational ways. So we make sure that the processes that we have in place or the paperwork is smooth and easy so that we can work together. We also have to have really good human-to-human relationships, so the interpersonal side of things. And we need to collaborate where there may be cultural differences and understand how to bridge them. So there's those five aspects. I call it stoic because it's easy to remember. But the thing also about collaboration is if you are going to have long-term business relationships, you need to find out fairly early on whether the people you're going to work with are going to commit their time, their money, their resources with you or not okay. so that you don't waste time. Right. And we've all been there, and you've probably been there, Alex, where you've spent months working on a deal and it never came to anything. When you so, look so back, what you're saying is never you, serious. you want to try and only work with clients that want to work with you. And you may have to take, test that a little bit at the start. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned the first date. Yeah. I, I still introduce my husband as my first husband. Oh, that's, Terry, that's Terry Wogan-esque. Not that that will mean anything to the listeners in Iceland. But, uh. no. <laughs> but I say that because that keeps him on his toes. Indeed, indeed. I did that. I did that to my wife, and she hit me. (laughs) Oh, he wouldn't dare. He wouldn't dare. He wouldn't dare. But but no, I think it's it's about 
making it easy to want to collaborate. So a little example, um, I often say to people, you know, you have a meeting with a client and you agree that you're going to go away, put together a proposal or a document or something. Just get a little bit of commitment. Yeah. Ask them. So let's set up a, a call or a Zoom call or a Teams meeting and we'll walk through the document together. Yeah. And, and if that prospect says, oh, no, I haven't got time for that, well, how serious are they about working yeah. with you? Find and out the nature of... The nature of a lot of our projects is that they have to be partnership orientated because often we're building software that integrates into a into an existing IT function, uh, or we're that 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 collaboration piece is where where our projects struggle is where people delegate, which is this is your problem, give me the bit of software when it's done. We're actually where we work best in early go is where clients like we use more of an agile development methodology where it's like okay, well we've got the first iteration, what about this? How would we and we yeah. develop in partnership and that makes sure we get a, a result that is much closer to what they uh, what they actually want there you are and that's collaboration good true collaboration and what about collaboration internally because that secret army whilst we'd love it to be unified there's silos internally like marketing sales account management customer success they're all their own little fiefdom so what, what's your advice to build more collaboration internally to drive business development culture? So I think that's a, that is about having dialogue. It is about having conversations. It is about leaders making sure that there are opportunities for people to sort of cross-fertilise, if you like, across those lines of service or those functions. And that can't happen unless there is a desire at the leadership level to make that happen. Okay. Because the best will in the world, if it's not modelled by leadership if, if there's nobody practicing what they preach at that in that way you can't expect that to happen down the business and that's where your stoic piece is making sure all the leaders are aware yeah. of the the strategies they align their tactical exactly. approaches especially in exactly. today's world where it's more about a revenue funnel rather than a sales funnel you know it's how mar- marketing interacts with sales and customer success at multiple stages through the customer's buying yeah. journey yeah and the shift now to recurring revenue models and the shift away from the big deals that used to happen. It's a very different world fantastic. and everybody's involved in that. Yeah. Good. Well, Isabel, this has been fantastic. We, as I said, I'm a business development geek. We could talk about this all day. Uh, where, where, where do people find you? Okay, right. So if you're interested in the book, Natural Business Development, you can find that on Amazon. And there's the book and there's the ebook. Uh, Masterclass Training is the company that I founded. And you can absolutely find me on LinkedIn. So that's Isabel Rimmer. And very happy if anyone wants to connect Isabel R at masterclass.co.uk. That's my email address. And like you, I, I just love hearing people's stories, particularly around business development. So Fantastic. the more stories, the better. Yeah. Good. Well, that's uh, and then, and probably a bit like you. When someone calls you and goes, I've got a problem, your world gets a little bit brighter. Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, well, on behalf of Oriko, thank you very much for, oh, it's uh, been a pleasure. For, for, for being with us. I know you're based in the south of France at the moment, but hopefully you'll make it to Iceland. It's a... Oh, absolutely. I want to get to Iceland. Everyone it's says it's such, a beautiful it's such place. such a beautiful country. It's such a beautiful country. So uh, thank you very much, Isabel. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Alex. And thank you, everybody.